Welcome to the Fall to Grace podcast, a show dedicated to those who have stumbled, struggled, failed, and fallen, perhaps more than once. Our message offers encouragement, hope, and connection to turn your personal shame and suffering from a fall to grace. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will enjoy today's episode. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Welcome back to the Fall to Grace podcast. I'm Kevin Kirkland, your host, and I'm grateful to be with you once again. Uh, Every time I come to record one of these podcasts or podcast episodes, I normally do one or two uh, at a time. And so uh, sometimes I'm a little bit, uh, I don't want to say flustered, but my I have so much in my mind <laughs> that I want to share. I want to make sure that I get it out in, in some sort of coherent uh, method. So bear with me if, uh, if I ramble a little bit. I don't mean to. I'm trying to refine my my delivery and my process, and all of that is coming along. Um, you don't know <laughs> how I'm having to learn so many new things. So thank you for your patience and bearing with me as I learn to go through the process of producing these podcasts. I do have help, um, but I'm, a, I'm kind of a stubborn mule, and sometimes it takes me a little while to get up to speed on things. But I'm grateful that you're here. I'm grateful that uh, you're listening or watching. I um, I try to keep these podcast um, episodes to about 20 or 25 minutes. Um, I had a friend, oh, and there's a reason. The reason is because I figure that most people at, uh, you know, at some point during the day may be commuting to work or home from work or maybe have a few minutes to, to listen to something that might be helpful or inspiring or interesting or entertaining. Um, I hope that these podcast episodes are somewhat entertaining, but entertainment is really not my purpose. Um, But I am trying to be coherent and interesting and compelling um, and engaging. So I'm I'm hoping that that is coming across. I had uh, a friend of mine, I've had several people that have responded to me in texts, or emails or phone calls uh, that have been very supportive and, and really nice um, and encouraging me to continue to go forward. Um, one of my friends uh, asked me, he says, do you, do you write out every word? Um, you know, do you, do you have every, every thought, you know, written out or, you know, how do you prepare? Well, it's sort of a combination of having some written notes. I have some show notes that I'm trying to refer to so I don't lose my place. But I, there is some riffing, um, but the thought occurred to me that there's a fine line between riffing and rambling. Handed a guitar, Jimmy Page would be riffing, I would be rambling. <laughs> so I'm going to try to um, be succinct as possible, but I am sharing personal experiences, personal stories, and I'm not going to write that out word for word. I just want to come across as having a conversation with you and I'm working on my delivery. I've also had friends that have said, hey, you need to show more of your personality. You know, you're sort of somber and serious. Well, it's a serious topic, but I do like to laugh and have a good time, and I enjoy a good joke and, you know, belly laughing as much as the next person. But, you know, this is a serious podcast. It is a serious topic. I don't ever want to come across as being uh, flippant or not taking the topic seriously. There will be episodes coming up that will be 
more funny or more engaging as far as maybe humorous or, or entertaining. And I think having a sense of humor is very, very important. But when I'm dealing with a serious topic, I don't want to come off as being flippant. So that's one reason why I'm a little bit serious about it. Um, seeing myself in video, I'm realizing my face is maybe more serious than, I, than I'm attempting to um, express in my feelings. I guess I have a serious looking face and I don't mean for that to be the case. I am a smiling, happy person and I have an upbeat and positive personality in general. So I'll try to show that a little bit more. Um, I, I have also been told that I look fat. <laughs> so I'm, 60, I'm 64 years old and I, <laughs> and I am fat. So I'm, I'm, gonna work, I'm working on that. I'm a work in progress in, in a lot of ways. So I'm gonna try to, I wore black today because I was a little self-conscious about my being, uh, maybe looking a little fat on, on these episodes. But in addition to those comments, uh, I did get a very good question from a dear friend of mine, a longtime friend of mine, um, a schoolmate, a mission companion, a business partner, uh, someone I've known a long time. And he asked me a very important yet a very difficult question, and I thought I would address that, address that today in today's episode. I'm going to do the best I can to answer with some stories and references, not necessarily directed at me, because it's not just my story. I want this to have more of a general application to others, not just specifically to my particular uh, path or journey or experience. But he asked me a very important question, and the question he asked me um, was, he said, Kevin, um, from a purely Latter-day Saint point of view, now, you everyone that's listening to this podcast knows that... Um, all my life, I was you know, raised in the LDS Church, and so he, too, is a member of the LDS Church, and asked me, from a purely Latter-day Saint point of view, and perhaps too narrow for your particular show, I'm fascinated by why the doctrine of Christ did not work for you. In other words, I think the gospel did and does mean something to you very deeply, but where was the misalignment, and how did all of this happen? Now, that's a very... That's a great question, and I want to address that a little bit without going into too much detail, because I don't think the detail really really is succinct at this point. But I do want to address um, that question, because I'm sure he's not the only one that's had the question, look, Kevin, you know, after all you've experienced and all of the time and energy and resources that you've spent in being an active member, participant, disciple, teacher um, in the church and uh, a follower of Christ, how did you fall so far off the path? And that, that's, a, that's a hard question. And, I'm, and I know I'm not the only one that needs to answer that question. I know I'm not alone, and I know that others are maybe openly you know, they've had the public fail or, and fall like I've had, I've had, or maybe you or someone you know uh, is still struggling with that question because you've fallen, but it's not public knowledge. You're dealing with that and fighting that battle within the quiet chambers of your own soul, or you know someone who is fighting that battle um, and struggling. Um, that's really kind of the, one of the main reasons I'm even doing this podcast is 
a call to action and a call to service on behalf of you and others that we might get off the path of self-destruction and encourage someone back onto the path of discipleship and and you know the so-called straight and narrow that will lead ultimately to happiness because other paths can't and won't. Okay, and you know that I like quotes, so I'm gonna I'm gonna quote a couple people here. Um, C.S. Lewis said, "A sum can be put right, but only by going back until you find the error, and working it afresh from that point. Never simply by going on." You know, you can't be in the wrong place <laughs> having made serious mistakes uh, or continuing to make mistakes that you know that you're making and then just decide to move forward and ignore those things or items or experiences or sins or whatever you want to call them, the mistakes of the past, and move forward. Um, there, there is a need to go back and correct, um, as C.S. Lewis is um, trying to describe. If you, have if, you have, if you find that you've arrived at an incorrect sum, or you find yourself off the path of happiness or doing the things that you know to be right, because you know them already, you just can't go on from there. You have to go back and uh, where there was an error, correct that error, um, and then move on from there. Now, in the realm of, let's say, the gospel or religion, the going back and correcting is repentance. Um, outside of that, there's the going back and asking for forgiveness, saying I'm sorry, accepting someone's asking for forgiveness, and re accepting someone's saying they're sorry. Sometimes we are a little harsh about that. We do need to be accepting of one another in our efforts to, to move forward and encouraging, and that's kind of, the, again, the point of the podcast. We all have stumbled and fallen, and we all will continue to stumble and fall. We're not alone, and let's continue to encourage each other to, to move along. And small and incremental steps towards the light or towards the good or towards the right, however you want to describe that, are critically important. Those small incremental steps back to where you you really know that you need to be going. But in the same light, in the same exact vein, the small and incremental steps that led away from that path um, also need to be acknowledged. And to answer the question, how did I arrive where I arrived? It was small and incremental decisions that I made on the daily basis or weekly basis or monthly basis or yearly basis or whatever it was that led me off the path and um, I wasn't willing to go back and correct the sum, so to speak, to, to paraphrase and quote C.S. Lewis. I was too proud and arrogant to do that, or selfish, or afraid, ashamed, and look where it led me. It led me to greater shame and greater loss. Sometimes we avoid making the corrections when it's easy. You know, the, 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 the old quote, you know, an ounce of cure is worth a pound of no, an ounce of prevention is worth a, a pound of cure. It's, it's very true. Now, 
I want to draw a little bit of an analogy because to me, this is sort of fascinating. As I've mentioned to you before, I've spent a lot of time in my life playing uh, golf. And it's always fascinated me that the number one golfer in the world and the number 200 golfer in the world aren't really that far apart in their scoring average. It might seem like a lot to those that are elite golfers, but did you know the number one player in the world, uh, his scoring average is 68.63 for every round of golf he plays. His scoring average over many, many rounds of golf is 68.63, which sounds amazing, incredible. And the number 200 golfer in the world shoots about a 73.1.2. Now that's about five and a half shots a round. But if you add that up over a four-day tournament, that's 22 shots. That means that guy, number 200 in the world, is never going to win much money. Um, the difference, those little tiny incremental differences, end up making a huge difference. The number one player in the world last year made $21 million. The number 200 player in the world made $265,000. Now, $265,000 for most of us is a lot of money. But when you're paying out of that your travel and your coach and your hotels and your food and et cetera, it's, it's, it's not very much and hardly enough to survive on the tour. So it's those small incremental decisions, those small incremental mistakes, those small incremental miscalculations that can lead you down a path of sorrow and unhappiness and destruction. Likewise, and this is my point, one of my main points of this podcast is we all know what small corrections we need to make. We can pretend that we don't, but we do. One of my favorite <laughs> quotes is by um, Jordan Peterson. Uh, you can find his stuff on YouTube or TikTok or whatever. Jordan Peterson is a clinical psychologist out of Canada, and he said, you know, you should sit on your bed one day and ask yourself, what remarkably stupid things am I doing on a regular basis to absolutely screw up my life? <laughs> he says, if you ask that question, you really have to want to know the answer. And the answer will cur curl your hair. The interesting thing about that is we all know, if we're going to be honest with ourselves, we all know what the answer is. What incredibly stupid thing am I doing on a regular basis to absolutely screw up my life. And addressing those things, there may be one, there may be more than one, excuse me, more than one. The point is take one at a time and eliminate that thing. It may be a habit, it may be an addiction, it may be, um, you know, look, a habit and addiction can be anything from heroin, pornography, alcohol, to anger, pride, um, impatience. I mean, all, all of those things can lead you down a path that you don't want to be on, whether it be within yourself or within your familial relationships or in your business relationships, in your community, um, in your neighborhood. You know, it's, it's the answer is within us. We all know those things that we continually do, those incredibly stupid things that we do um, that are making a difference 
in a negative way in our life. I think the point of Dr. Peterson's comment is look at those things seriously, address it. You already know the answer. If you're going to ask the question, you have to be serious about it. And if you're going to ask that question, the answer might be frightening. It's going to curl your hair. The answer may be frightening. You're going to have to look at yourself in the eye, look at yourself in the mirror, maybe even approach someone that knows you very well and ask, is this a problem? Do you see this as something I need to change? Have the courage to maybe engage someone in that conversation. It's not easy to do, but as I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode, getting feedback from your friends and your loved ones and those that care about you can be frightening, but at the same time, it can be enlightening. Like my friend who asked me, how did you get here? How did this happen? Um, I need to ask that question. I needed, I needed to ask that question before. Unfortunately, I didn't. But now I need to ask that question of myself on the regular. You know, how, Am I doing those things that will lead down a path that I don't want to be on? What are those things that I continually do, those incredibly stupid things that I continue to do that are damaging my relationships or my life or keeping me from being happy? Gratefully for me, I'm a happy person. I've worked through a lot of this difficulty. It has not been easy, but it's possible. It is possible. So keep pressing on. Now, I talked a little bit about miscalculations, um, errors, you know, going back to the golf thing. You know, Ben Hogan said that golf is a game of managing your mistakes. And that's the same with life. We all make mistakes. We all need the, need the or we all have to take the, uh, the moment to course correct, fix our calculation and our sum of our life, go back to where the error was made, repent and change and make a determination and commitment to move forward and then move forward from there. You cannot just continue to move forward um, and not eliminate the mistake or the error. Um, you know, repent. <laughs> it seems so easy and yet is, it is so hard. So in continuing to answer the question from my friend, how did you get here? Well, I'd like to refer to two, um, two talks given by uh, leaders of the LDS Church. One is by uh, Spencer W. Kimball. And the name of the talk is Hidden Wedges, and it ended up, I, I happened to have this little booklet published in 1974 called Hidden Wedges. And in that talk, Spencer W. Kimball tells a story of a magnificent tree that in a storm, and it might have been a lightning storm or something like that, but some tremendous storm, the tree cracked and broke in two and fell. And the question was, how could such a strong and magnificent tree that's been there for decades fall? And the owner of the tree remembered when he was a young boy that he sat in the, in the, in the crux of the tree, you know, from the branch and the trunk, he set a wedge, a feller's wedge that was used for splitting logs. And he left it there thinking, I'll get to it tomorrow. And then tomorrow became next week, and then next week became next month, and then next month became next year, and that wedge um, remained. 
in the heart of that tree. And the tree grew around that wedge, but it created a, a weakness in that tree that eventually felled the tree. So the question is, what are our hidden wedges? I have to ask myself, Kevin, what are my hidden wedges? What hidden wedges remain? Like Jordan Peterson said, what incredibly stupid thing do I continually do that causes such havoc and chaos in my life? What thing needs to be eliminated? What thing can be removed or changed from my heart or from my mind, from my spirit? We all have them. Um, some of us, the real good ones, the real angels amongst us, I think have spent their whole life removing those wedges. Some of us have allowed those wedges to remain. My call to action is for each of us to remove those wedges, but also to reach out to someone else who knows who you know, who may have buried a wedge and needs encouragement to, to rid themselves of it. Gordon B. Hinckley, another leader of the church, also gave a talk in the early to mid-70s entitled Switches. And these talks can be found on YouTube or um, other locations, the LDS websites. Gordon B. Hinckley gave a talk entitled Switches. And years before, in, before being called to serve full-time in the church, he was a, an executive with the railroad. And he tells the story of how a train had left Oakland, California, um, with a passenger and baggage tr um, cars connected correctly, arrived in St. Louis, all intact and all is well, but somewhere in St. In St. Louis there was a switch, which is about a three-and-a-half-inch gap in the rail track. The passenger train went to Newark, Newark, New Jersey, and the baggage car ended up in um, New Orleans, Louisiana. Those little switches, those little miscalculations, those small errors that remain. You know, the baggage car, using the analogy, the baggage car would have had to go back to St. Louis and gotten on the right track to go to Newark, New Jersey. That it remained going the wrong direction. It was never going to end up in Newark, New Jersey. Now, I want to, to end with one more reference um, to potentially um, answer the question of my friend, how did you get here? And in that question, he also asked why the doctrine of Christ did not work for me. Well, I believe the doctrine of Christ is working for me, um, and let me share uh, just a thought about that. In the Book of Mormon, an ancient prophet is rehearsing to his people the prophecies, prophecies of Isaiah and tells them that the prophecies of Isaiah point directly to the promised Messiah, and the promised Messiah's name is Jesus Christ. And he makes it very clear and succinct that it's important for him and his family and his children and generations to come to understand that it is by Christ that we are saved. And he says, For we labor diligently to write, to persuade our children and also our brethren to believe in Christ and to be reconciled to God. For we know that it is by grace 
that we are saved after all we can do. Now, there have been lots of commentaries on that little verse. Uh, lots of people that have said, well, you know, the only thing that Mormons believe in is, you know, works, that if you do all the works possible, that will save you. Well, that's not the doctrine, and that's not what, ta- that's not what is taught. Interestingly enough, Hugh Nibley, an LDS scholar, said, look, all we can do is repent. <laughs> and I believe that that to, that to be true. In my mind, as I rehearse that verse, for we know that it is by grace that we are saved after all we can do, in my mind it reads, we are saved by grace after all that we do. I believe the doctrine of Christ is working uh, alive and well, or is, is alive and well in my life, because it goes on to say, we talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. I believe that if there's any hope for me or any chance for me to correct my course, it resides solely in the life, the ministry, the gospel, and of course the grace of the atoning sacrifice of my Savior. As I said in an earlier episode, I am not an apologist for the LDS Church. I'm not qualified or worthy to do that. I'm just sharing that as a principle. I hope that each of you that are listening today will understand that you're not alone. On the, if, you're, if you've gotten off the path, if you are alone in the wilderness, you know, the Savior taught that he will leave the 99 to go in search of the one. Each of us are the one. <laughs> there isn't any of us that are not being cert- sought out and searched for by, um, by our loving Savior. I am grateful for the opportunity that um, I have to come and record these podcasts and episodes and to share some of my experience with you. I'm hoping that if you find yourself far from the destination that you um, originally intended to arrive at, that you'll course correct, you'll go back to where the errors were made, repent, make the corrections necessary, ask for the help that you need, and that you will continue forward with gratitude and humility and with love in your heart, and always remember the good that is ahead. Thank you for joining me today for today's episode of Fall to Grace, and we'll see you next time.